Well, it was back in the teen days, and electric cars were just starting to take off. The Tesla Model S, and now the Model X were starting to come in. Products like the Prius and the Leaf were still kicking around, and Chrysler had its Pacifica EV now to hit the minivan market. More companies were looking into the electronic world to create electric cars. But then, one little company in the States decided to stand out. They decided to take a Model S and make it look faster than it was. Unplugged Performance gave us our first aftermarket Tesla, but that was ways after companies like Mugen and even TRD had given us custom versions of the CRZ and Prius. The aftermarket industry was finally into the hybrids and electric world, but where can it go and how can it really change? Those questions will be answered on this podcast. Autoworks.net Autopod, streaming day or night, coming right at you, right here, right now. Welcome back to the Autoworks.net Podcast. I am your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J. Talking to you today from our main website at autolux.net. If you haven't been there, check it out. We got lots of stuff for you. We got books for the kids. We got links to any car company in existence. We got help pages to get you through that class project and our most exclusive list of design ratings in the world. Yes, we rate them all every single year, over 500 vehicles to see who has the best design of the year and wins our coveted Autolux A-plus award for design excellence. And while also running around the website, check out some of our blogs, features, hell, even other podcasts or tidbit show. Will there give us a like, comment, or share the site or any of our social feeds, inclusive of our podcast host site, Podbeam, and many of the other host sites we're sitting on. From iTunes to Amazon Music, we are there. Like we said at the beginning, we're taking a look at the aftermarket world for unconventional vehicles. I know we already covered this with Chrysler's new niche, creating aftermarket minivans. Like, why would they go after something like that? So if you haven't heard that one, please check it out. AutoLux.net podcast, Chrysler's new niche. But the electric and hybrid world is starting to move into the aftermarket world. Now, you got to ask yourself, what can they really do? I get it when it comes to hybrids. There is still a gas engine in it. So you can create more performance out of that. But when you get products like the Tesla Model S Plaid, what did they do? They increased its battery power and added more electric motors to get more horsepower out of it. Just take a look at the Toyota RAV4. The hybrid actually has more horsepower than the standard model. I'm still kicking myself for not getting a hybrid RAV4 when I bought one. One, I would save a bit more on gas. And two, I would get more power out of it, making it more fun for me to drive around since I'm a vehicle person who likes powerful vehicles. But the aftermarket industry has many different to follow suit with the electric aftermarket industry more so than the hybrid the hybrid like we said they can add more electric hybrid motors to it they can increase the power and the gasoline consumption or just you know in a sense give it some aftermarket modifications body kits lowering springs hell a lot of companies just do the visuals where we rate them on our end of the year thing under the aftermarket ratings tab there are a lot of aftermarket products available from your dealer lots around the world from many different car companies but it was it wasn't until the Tesla Model S Plaid came out that an electric car maker decided to get in on this. We get it. When Porsche created the Taycan, they created the Turbo S. They had the Taycan, and then they had the one with the expanded battery so you could get more power out of it, which is the Turbo S, which everybody says basically handles like a standard Taycan. Not much different.
different. It's just, in a sense, a money grab. But how can we make these things better? Besides a body kit, lowering springs, aftermarket wheels, doing some interior, it's all cosmetic changes for an electric vehicle. How can we make them faster? And that is a question you have to get into programming or battery power. Finding ways to cool your battery to obtain optimal performance in that battery. So to ensure you don't lose tons of battery life and distance while you're pushing that car to the limit as well. But electric vehicles are in a sense a destruction to the aftermarket world. You got to remember the aftermarket world prides itself on creating more power. Think about it. Edelbrock is one of the big players out there. And what do they make tons of money off of? Aftermarket parts for your engine bay. Adding turbos, superchargers, nitrous, board stroke, lighter materials. There are tons and tons of things you can add to an internal combustion engine vehicle to make it perform, handle, or move a lot quicker and better than the standard product off the shelf. When it comes to the aftermarket world for hybrids, this is true. But when you move into the electric landscape, this is not true. The aftermarket EV ring is just that. If you take a look at unplugged performance, most of their stuff is just cosmetic changes. Hell, they have body kits of the Model S and the Model X, which have fake exhaust ports. Like, why are you trying to make it look like an internal combustion engine vehicle when you made the choice to go with a battery? Pack. I get it if you're one of those people buying out the Tesla and putting a V8 engine underneath the hood of it like it's already been done. That would suggest you need that counterpart, but any other you don't. And a lot of makers are actually starting to get into this as special editions. Yes, the Model S Plaid, the Prius Nightshade, the Kia EV6 GT, the e-tron S Sportsback, the e-tron S, the e-tron GT RS, Arc Fox Alpha S, each one and the Jaguar I-Pace Black. These are all performance variations of these. They want you to think that these things are faster and better than their standard counterpart, which in some cases they are. But the electronic aftermarket world will have less parts required for it. So exhaust manufacturers are not required. Anything underneath the hood for the engine bay is not required. Now people who create tires and rims, full suspension setup, body kits, spoilers, hoods, all those things would be good. But you got to ask yourself, would you put a carbon fiber hood on your Model S considering the fact that there is nothing underneath that hood besides decreasing the weight of the vehicle to possibly give your electronic services a bit better chance of moving a slight bit quicker. Your electric powertrain, all you got to do is upgrade the battery. So in our world, from auto looks, cosmetic changes are one of those things that we would see and we would rate. So this falls into our category. But when you start getting to other people like Motor Trend and Car and Driver, which focus on the actual performance of handling of these vehicles, the aftermarket world really doesn't fit with the electric vehicle range. Now, if we want to keep the aftermarket industry the way it is, we have to move into hydrogen vehicles. Hydrogen has a bit more working parts than an electronic system where you can add performance parts to it. Where you can upgrade the system to get better power. Think about it. The Kia EV6. There's a standard. There's the GT and the GT line. Now seriously, what is the major difference between these? Battery pack size and aerodynamics. There's not a whole heck of a lot. Take a look at the GT line. It almost looks like a standard EV6. When you move into the GT series of the Kia EV6, it starts to look more like an aftermarket product different front fascia, different rims, and if the vehicle sits on a lower stance to give you the illusion that it's faster than the standard product. But really, is it? It is based off battery 
power. Now, the aftermarket industry as a whole has always made money off creating something completely different. This can be true for any vehicle. Doing cosmetic changes is part of the aftermarket world. But we all know that if you're a true gearhead, you're making your car faster. So in an electrified world of tomorrow, can the aftermarket industry really survive? Can it really be that difference? With less people buying vehicles, is it an industry that can manage to hold on? Both automakers still creating in-house aftermarket versions, the answer is yes. But at least for now, when you're getting a Prius TRD, a Nissan Leaf Nismo, a BMW i3S, hell, even the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid S appearance package. But then, this market can move even further in. When you get companies like Draco, who take the original Fisker Karma, or now Karma Automotive, and make it better and faster. Yes, they fine-tuned an electric powertrain vehicle to move quicker and be more nimble than its standard counterpart. This is where companies are going to make a stand in the aftermarket EV range. More power. So in the future of tomorrow, the aftermarket industry might not just be the cosmetic changes you think. Whereas people used to buy motors, a big V8 motor and jam it underneath the hood. Hell, for SEMA one year, Chrysler jammed a Viper V10 underneath the hood of a PT Cruiser. They did it and they managed to get it to work. So now the idea is going to be how can we get this more powerful, more complex and more dense power pack into our vehicle to make it faster? That is a question you have to ask the aftermarket industry. So you get companies like Veilside creating an entire cosmetic change to the exterior of the vehicle. You now need people like Chen still making your aftermarket loading springs, Koenig still making your rims, Pirelli still making your tires. But now companies like Cattle, LG Cam, and even Tesla themselves have to start looking at the aftermarket industry and how we can cater to the aftermarket industry within large battery packs. There are always going to be people out there who want to go faster. And just because you're going to create the Tesla Roadster doesn't mean you're going to grab the entire aftermarket world by storm and say, we don't need people to alter our vehicles when they perform exceptionally well over everyone else. There's always going to be people like myself who want to differentiate themselves from everyone else. I have two vehicles in my stable which are customized. One is basically just aftermarket tires and rims and a paint job. The other one has been lowered, beefed up suspension, created more solid with its strut braces, added a little bit more power, and even done some interior work. I've made it lighter, made it faster, and I've made it handle better. But in the future, do we want to go to high school and have some kid just roll up in his Tesla Model S or hell, his Model 3 and just tell us, you know, I want to race you after school. It's like, well, I got the exact same thing. Who's going to win? There is where the aftermarket industry is really going to take off. Handling, grip, and driver instruction. I don't know if any of you out there listening have watched Formula E. Formula E is one of those amazing new types of racing. It's all electric Formula One style vehicles. Now, in the original series, when they first started out, they had two vehicles per race because the battery couldn't make it through the entire race on its own. They needed to have two. So halfway through the race, you had to jump out of one car and get into another. But now they have one battery pack for the entire race. And these drivers need to understand 
that nearly every one of these cars are all the same. You could set them up slightly different, but its power source is the same. Just like in the Extreme E off-road race, the vehicles are the same. It then comes down to the proper setup of the vehicle. Like we said, suspension, tires, wheels, and creating a more rigid car. And the driver. The driver is going to become the main key point. How many times have you watched any other type of racing and the person with the deepest pockets can win the races? How many years did Ferrari win when their Formula One car outpaced everyone? I remember the years when it used to be Mercedes McLaren and Ferrari. Back in the early 2000s, when they used to lap nearly every single other team on the course, two teams would win. That's it. There was only four drivers who could win, ever win because everyone else was getting lapped. Now, how is that racing? It's not. It needs to come down to the drivers, and that's where Formula E and electric vehicles is coming down to. So in the aftermarket world of tomorrow, it all depended on how well you drive and how well you set up your car. Now, how well you set up your car still applies today in the aftermarket industry, but if you didn't set up your engine properly or boost it or bore and stroke it or do a proper cleansing of it, you could still fall behind. The greatest driver can be taken down by the worst car. But even still, if you're the greatest driver, you can take the worst car and make it win for yourself. The high schools of tomorrow will have electric cars in the parking lots. But to stand out from everyone else around you, these people are going to be doing cosmetic changes to their vehicles and then doing proper setups. They're going to be trying to lower their vehicles so that nobody can see into what they're using for their braking, their sticking, and their handling. Because they don't want somebody to know that they can go faster around the corner than they can. Just because you could beat me in a straight line doesn't mean you could beat me around a corner. So the aftermarket world for electric cars is going to be way different than the internal combustion engine world. But in the past 20 years, we've seen many automakers get into the aftermarket world. Before the 2000s and the rise of the Fast and the Furious days, aftermarket industry was essentially owned by itself. Yeah, you had some in-house brands like Mugen, Rallyart, and Nismo. But then you had the companies like Gazoo Racing, which is now part of Toyota. Spoon, Veilside, Celine, Roush, all making these vehicles perform way better than they should. I know it seems that it's getting easier and easier for any kid to go and buy an aftermarket vehicle and say they're the top guy. How many kids out there have gone out and bought a Ford Focus RS just, just because they got deeper pockets than the kid down the road? But the kid down the the road is underneath his hood fine-tuning every little bit of it that he can within his budget to beat that factory floor racing vehicle in the world of tomorrow those kids are gonna be racing somebody who bought an aftermarket version with the full setup which you can read about it online next to the kid that can learn how to do it himself the whole basis of the aftermarket industry is going to change with the electric vehicle craze. Electric vehicles are going to change a lot of our automotive markets. They're going to change the way we move about. They're going to change the way we refuel. They're going to change the way we travel. And they're going to change the way we make ourselves different than the other people. The aftermarket industry is going to be one of those places that's going to be hit hard with the rise of the electric vehicles. Now, this may be a godsend to countries around the world, like my home province of Ontario, who's been trying to stop street racing for years after a horrible death to a police officer's son. But the aftermarket industry has always been here. 
I had family members who raced back in their days. I knew people who raced in my days. But in my child's days, there'll be a lot less people racing. It's all going to be show with not a whole heck of a lot of go. Because the electric car has all the go that you need to show. So really, in the end, the aftermarket industry, can it survive the changeover to the electric car world? It can, but not at a cost. Whereas the automobile put a lot of people who took care of horses and managed to, to refurbish and fix wagons out of business. Those people then learned how to maintain vehicles and rebuild them. Changes will happen. Jobs will be lost and industries will disappear. But the aftermarket industry will always be here. Whether it's in a special edition, factory approved, or it's done by the kid down the street, the aftermarket world will always be around. And with companies like Unplugged Performance showing us that electric vehicles can even be cool and be a bit better than your regular production vehicle. So in a world that's tomorrow, the aftermarket industry may just need a little fine-tuning to keep itself going. So if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment with your friends, family, or anyone you even know, even the office at work. And if you want to know more information or see some of the vehicles that we talked about in this podcast or other podcasts we talked about with this one, like the Demise of the Aftermarket Industry podcast where we talk about how the electric cars are going to be bringing it down, go to autolux.net to the podcast tab and find them. Look for them. Check out our site. Spend some time and take a look. Find some car companies you never knew existed and countries that you never knew had car companies that went with them. All on the autolux.net website. So, for myself, Everett J, and the Autolux crew, strap yourself in for this one intriguing ride that the electric car aftermarket industry will take us on.